Good evening, everybody, and welcome to a new thing that we're trying here at The Breakdown. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a midweek roundup, and hopefully we're going to be joined by uh, a couple of folks in particular who are going to offer, hopefully, a little bit of insight as to what uh, what their take is on the events in Alberta politics. This thing comes around as a bit of an impetus for it was uh, the the two hour shows, two and a half hour shows on Sundays are getting to be a little bit long for probably everybody. So we're going to break it up in the middle of the week and try to make it a little bit more um, digestible. Let's go with uh, and already. It's Wednesday today. Our last show is on Sunday. Already, we've already got some stuff going on that uh, that we need to that we need to talk about. We got sent a DM on uh, late Sunday night. We put it out early Monday morning, where there were already some scandals that were going on with the Smith situation. Um, in particular, the scandal that was catching everybody's attention uh, on Monday morning was a text message, and I'm just going to read the text message that we received here. Someone who door knocked on Saturday shared that they had a script answer for possible questions from residents. So what we were being told is that this was a person who was door knocking on behalf of Danielle Smith, and they had been given a scripted answer that they were supposed to use if somebody said that they were not uh, sure if they would support Smith. If a resident said, quote from the, the text message, if a resident said that they're not sure if they will support DS, Daniel Smith, the response was, wouldn't you rather have a premier be your representative? Now, this is a bit of a problem for a lot of different reasons. The first and biggest problem is obviously there's been multiple people raising objections, not only to the ethical, but potentially the legal ramifications of the somebody who's sitting as a premier of Alberta, but is in an unelected spot getting and using their title as premier of Alberta to try to sway people. It's actually explicitly written that you're not supposed to be doing anything like that in a by-election, but apparently this is a scripted answer. This is something that door knockers have been given and been told Hey, if somebody says something and eh, they're not big fans, then what you need to do is you need to just lean into the premier bit a little bit, which is obviously profoundly problematic. It's profoundly unethical. And we're told that complaints are being lodged with elections, Alberta. One of the other things that happened on Halloween, no less, was uh, there was some news. Daniel Smith heard from one of the one of the premiers who she had been soliciting to think about developing economic corridors, to think about developing uh, a, a pathway from Alberta all the way to the port of Churchill. Now, we've talked about it on the show before. The port of Churchill is really problematic for two major reasons. First of all, getting out there is really, really difficult to do because it's all muskeg and permafrost. So if you put any kind of major infrastructure, once you start getting up to the northern areas, it has a tendency of being swallowed up by the ground. It's a very real problem. And it's one of the reasons why there hasn't been a whole lot of major infrastructure development through that area historically. One of the other big problems with using the Port of Churchill is that it's just not that deep. 
So when we're talking about the types of vehicles, the types of ships that need to be used in order to move the amounts of oil and gas that would be would make a project like that worthwhile, they require a fairly deep port. Well, the in and out of Port of Churchill simply isn't deep enough. But a lot of people love to talk about the Port of Churchill as a potential option because it looks like a really, really straight line. And that'd be great, right? So ignoring all of the, the realistic, real-world implications, there's a lot of people who just love that, that look of that straight line. And boy, if all the facts just didn't get in the way, it would be absolutely perfect. Well, the Premier of Manitoba said, yeah, we've, we've got other, other things that we want to we wanna focus on. Uh, so on Monday, Manitoba, Manitoba Premier Heather Stephenson came out and said there are more pressing things for us to look at. She wants to focus on things like affordability, on health care and homelessness over considering shipping oil through Churchill because it just wouldn't work. The Premier of Manitoba didn't really hedge her comments at all either. She was very, very clear. And this is a direct quote from the CBC article. I understand where the Premier of Alberta is coming from, Stephenson said. She's facing an election and some tough things, tough challenges politically within her province. And she wants to get some of those issues out of the way. I will tell you. There are other more pressing things for us to be dealing with right now, which is why we're here today to deal with the most vulnerable in our society. Now, she made these comments while she was talking about providing uh, funding grants to homeless shelters and transitional housing services. So, again, this is another example where Daniel Smith seems to like to make really, really big, impressive sounding promises, but she hasn't done any of the homework in order to make those promises anywhere close to an actual reality. Moving on from there, one of the other big stories that came out on Halloween was perhaps a glimpse into why Danielle Smith made one of the largest cabinets uh, in recent history. We've mentioned this a few times on the show already. Uh, she has created a cabinet that dwarfs pretty much every other cabinet that has been created for more or less the last 15, 20 years. Uh, it, it's a huge cabinet. And a lot of people wondered why she was making such a big cabinet. There's a lot of speculation as to, well, maybe she's rewarding the very good poodles in the UCP caucus who, who said very nice things of her. Maybe she's trying to bring people over to her side. Well, there was a news story that broke on Monday that was based off of an interview that Danielle Smith did where uh, she was very, very clear that because of Westminster tradition, everybody in cabinet will be a whipped vote. Now, when you take a look at the overall size of cabinet, you're talking about not just the, the ministers proper, but the, the parliamentary secretaries and the associated roles you're talking about 37 people so you're almost at a majority right out of the gates now this comes after smith had campaigned on making sure that when the sovereignty act was introduced into the legislature and she's doubled down that it's going to be her bill one but she's been very very clear that it was going to be a free vote all mlas would be able to vote their conscience and their morals and their ethics unless 
they're in caucus. Sorry, not cabinet, caucus, cabinet, unless they're in cabinet. Because she's very clear. And this is the headline of the article. Premier Smith says cabinet, unlike caucus, won't have free vote on Sovereignty Act. It will be a whipped vote for caucus. And the mechanism that she's going to use to do that is going to be, quite simply, to make it a confidence vote. Now, for anyone who's not familiar, a confidence vote occurs when uh, basically it is if this thing doesn't pass, then it means that the House does not have confidence in the government. And it typically triggers a whole bunch of very complicated things, usually ending in the end of that particular government. So Daniel Smith can make as many confidence votes as she wants. She can make pretty much anything a confidence vote, if I understand it correctly. And all of the members of her cabinet, all of those 37, are guaranteed for her. Not so much a, a free vote that was, was advertised. But it certainly makes a lot of sense of why, all of a sudden, we saw this massive, unprecedented in size cabinet. Now, one of the other big things that have happened in just the last two days and again it's it's this is this is why we're doing this midweek thing because it's it's literally been two and a half days since our last show arguably three there were some big developments in the writing that danielle smith wanted to aim for so danielle smith prior to the brooks medicine hat by-election had been very very clear that she believes that people should only ever run in uh, the areas that they live. Critically important. It's a foundational principle of, of democracy. And yet, as soon as it became clear that her two choices were going to be Calgary Elbow, which many people have said she doesn't have very much of a chance in at all, or she could get another MLA to step down. Well, apparently the MLA for Livingston McLeod wasn't raising his hand right out of the gates to say, pick me, pick me. I'll step down for you. And so instead, Michaela Frey out of Brooks Medicine Hats, she stepped down. And that's where Danielle Smith is running. Well, there's been a lot of conversation around what's going to happen in Livingston McLeod. And to be clear, there still is. There's some Facebook groups that were dedicated to getting rid of Roger Reed, who is the incumbent MLA there. He's the incumbent UCP MLA there. There's some Facebook groups that have been dedicated to it. And even they are looking at the developments over the last couple of days and going, whoa, something's up. This is super sketchy. So basically what happened was Roger Reed announced that uh, he was not going to be seeking the nomination. He wasn't going to be contesting the nomination for the UCP for Livingston McLeod. Now, there's only other one person who's raised their hand to be in that uh, constituency, and that's a woman who's named Nadine Wellwood. And Nadine comes with a, let's go with complicated history. She's, she's got some, some stuffs going on. Uh, and when we're talking about Nadine, the most recent things that we can talk about are she was heavily involved in the anti-health measures uh, actions that were taken. She's been very clear on her social media that she attended the Coots border blockade convoy. 
She she went out there to say hi to everyone. Uh, she supported through her social media and through uh, some sort of, it almost appears like it's maybe citizen journalism, kind of hard to say for sure. Uh, but she supported a lot of the, the freedom marches and the convoy stuff. She's also got a whole lot of interesting perspectives on COVID, much like the former premier of Alberta. She called it just a flu. Um, she suggested that there was no such thing as COVID. It was just COVID was a new name for the flu. Uh, she talked about the Great Barrington Declaration. And this is something that a lot of anti-health measures people go to quite a bit, but it has been well documented. When you take a look at some of the names that are on the Great Barrington uh, Declaration, they're very, very clearly made up. It's not a reputable or believable uh, document by any stretch of the imagination. She has been very much against experimental vaccines. She, much like Danielle Smith, was a proponent of ivermectin. She ran for the People's Party of Canada, and there's video that has been circulating, and somebody was kind enough to send us a copy, you can find that on our Twitter timeline, of uh, her speaking at a debate in Cochrane. And one of the other candidates was speaking about, hey, you know what, guys? Science is actually a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Science does a lot of great stuff for us. And I believe in the greater good. And despite the fact that it was not her turn to speak, Nadine got up and she stood up and she told the moderator that she wasn't going to listen and she threw a big temper tantrum and that she stormed out of the room and tried to hold an impromptu rally at the, the doors to where this thing would be held. So Nadine's got some baggage, but Nadine posted a picture of herself at the UCP AGM in the Take Back Alberta suite with none other than Premier of Alberta, Daniel Smith. They go back, reportedly. So now all of a sudden, Roger Reed is not running anymore. And Nadine Wellwood, who has all of these, uh, let's go with fascinating views, um, that align with many that the Premier of Alberta apparently has, uh, she's now largely uncontested for the nomination. There's a lot of people who feel like she's going to get it. Now, there's two schools of thought on this that we've seen so far. One of them is... Daniel Smith is doing exactly what some people we had. Uh, we had Sarah Biggs uh, on the show on Sunday, and she was kind of predicting this a little bit. And we're kind of hoping Sarah will be able to join us in just a little bit. But we had Sarah Biggs on and she was talking about, you know, there's a very real possibility that all Smith has to do in order to get much greater control of the government is to simply squeeze out the moderates. And replace them with people more aligned to her worldview, let's say. Well, we've seen this happen twice now. There's a lot of people who within the UCP sphere, so when I'm using the term moderate, I'm not using it to say across the entire political spectrum. I'm using, using it inside of the, the, the UCP ecosystem. Certainly, Leela here would be considered a moderate within the UCP ecosystem. She's, she's publicly announced she won't be running for the UCP again. She's not seeking the nomination. The person who is replacing her in her constituency is somebody that Danielle Smith has publicly said very nice things about. 
it's somebody that i mean danielle smith even said at the 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 forum in fort mac that she didn't believe that lila here would win her nomination probably because daniel smith was supporting the candidate that was running against lila here reportedly so it shouldn't be a surprise that lila here left but now we have roger reed who within the ucp ecosystem many people say is more of a moderate roger reed's out too now so you have to wonder about what's going on within the climate of the ucp that all of the moderates within the ucp ecosystem i'm just going to keep saying that because i know if i don't i'm going to get inundated with 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 comments and ads when all of the moderates within the ucp are starting to look at the look for the doors that says something about the type of climate that's being created but even more so and this is, again, this was coming from one of the Facebook groups that was trying to replace Roger Reed. Even they were like, this really looks like that when Danielle Smith is done with Brooks Medicine Hat. Now, Danielle Smith, of course, during the campaign has said, oh, no, 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 no. She'll absolutely run in Brooks Medicine Hat if she wins there again uh, in, in the next election, whenever that may be. Um, she's going to she'll run there because she's committed. It's so much like her home constituency. But even the people who are running the, the Facebook pages that were trying to get rid of Roger Reed are saying, you know, it really just looks like she's trying to put a holder in place so that when she wants to have uh, when she wants to have that constituency back, when she wants to move home, let's say that she absolutely just will. So just say to Nadine, hey, you know what? You should go represent uh, Brooks. And it's important to remember that Daniel Smith has the ability to nominate just because it's Tuesday up to four candidates. The leader of the UCP has the ability to say in this constituency, we're sticking in this person four times. And she was clear when she announced that she was going to be running in Brooks Medicine Hat, that she was using one of those magic get out of jail free cards. Well, she's still got three left. And when even the people that believe that Roger Reed was too moderate are going, oh, this looks like Daniel Smith is going gonna, is gonna to shift things over. That's pretty telling. Now, I'm going to pivot from the, the whole Nadine Wellwood thing to the next topic. But before we do, we do have Sarah Biggs, who has joined us. And I want to get Sarah's thoughts on the whole Roger Reed thing. Sarah, how are you doing tonight? Uh, we have a hamster missing. Oh no! So that's why I'm late. I'm sorry. You should name it the the one with the hamster. The one with the missing it's, hamster. Yeah. What, what's the hamster's know, name? Let's just get that out of the way. I don't even know. I think it's Mango. <coughs> Not sure. Well, um, there's your problem right there. You can't call him. It's 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 a replacement from the guinea pigs that tragically passed this summer. Um, when they were being babysat at my uh, stepdaughter's mother's house. Um. Yeah, <laughs> stupid. Not, not a lot of luck with with rodents uh, at the Bigs house. I, I'm not. I'm not a rodent person, and tonight really, it's the cherry on top of the cake for me tonight. Well, but catch okay. up. Yeah, let's <laughs> so, catch up on politics. 
Let's catch up on politics. So what we were just talking about, what I was just introducing was sort of the whole situation with Roger Reed and Livingston McLeod and how he released a statement saying that he was no longer going to be contesting the nomination. He wasn't going to be running in the next election. And there's been a lot of speculation as to possible motivations. You're the politico. You're the strategist. Yeah, what do you apparently. what do you what do you make of this? Uh, so I see the Roger Reed situation very similar to what happened to Leela in her writing. Uh, TBA is, um, you know, um, let's say exerting some influence yeah. <laughs> for lack of better words. Um, you know, it, it's a very, very, very similar situation. Um, and they have invested, um, you know, quite a bit of time and a lot of energy into getting a, um, you know, take over the board in Chestermere Stratmore. And up to the very last minute, Audrey was still on for nomination. So something happened during that meeting that we, you know, something happened. Um, maybe the board changed, um, God knows, but, you know, take back Alberta is, you know, is really out, they're, they're power hungry, right? Just to give you an idea of what um, they think. So a board member that got newly elected last week um, said the following. So it said, um, so Ms. Schminke, 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 that got elected uh, last week in the convention said, I see the board as keeping her accountable. We want to make sure she's doing what we want. Now, to be clear, just to set the right context, you're talking about somebody who was elected to the UCP CP party bo board. board. Yes. So this isn't just a constituency. This no. is the whole party. And when she's talking about we see our job is to keep her in line, I'm paraphrasing probably a little bit there, uh, and that she does what she wants. She's speaking about the premier of Alberta. She wants to make yes. sure she's got the premier of Alberta under her thumb. So they are going in with that mindset in every writing that will be open for nomination and they will try to get their people in. So, you know, when we were talking about uh, on Sunday, uh, talking about a transition cabinet, right? Yeah. That the people that were in place are totally trans, you know, transition, tra transit cabinet. Um, if, if she calls the election in May, 2023, um, you know, her people, will be uh, winning the nominations and the writing where she wants them. And then some, you know, we can't even say old school UCP years because the party is only five years old. Um, but, you know, the, the ones that were there from day one was, that are not towing the line are the one that came out against, uh, let's say, the ESA and all that. Um, and, you know, some of them were pro-mandates. I, I see that some of the Alber Take Alberta back people right now are upset because she put them back into cabinet. Um, so it was kind of interesting to see what's going to happen to dynamic over in the sevens, but it's TBA is extremely well organized and we need to keep an eye open. Well, this is the thing. When we're talking about Take Back Alberta, we're not talking about political neophytes. We're talking no. about people who have, you know, I mean, A, when we're, if we go back to sort of the 
the public origin story of Take Back Alberta. It was largely created, the public narrative is, to remove Mr. Kenny from office. Uh, yes. We saw, and the the key figure in all of this, who's already throwing comments into the chat, which I love, uh, is a gentleman named David Parker. And David Parker goes back as a political <sighs> organizer and a, a political activist. He goes back quite a fair ways. So he's he's not a neophyte by any stretch of the imagination. And the the position of Take Back Alberta has evolved from we need to get rid of Kenny to we need to make sure that we replace. Kenny with somebody that we like and clearly based on the comments from that board member somebody that they can control but what's interesting is that they shifted from Brian Jean to Daniel Smith because at the beginning they, they you know they were helping Brian right well there was that press conference that happened where uh, Brian Jean's campaign manager and right hand man forever Vita Marciano uh, stood up with David Parker and they talked about some ways that the original UCP leadership race was allegedly yeah. faked and both of them claimed to have inside knowledge of this but they both refused to name any names and it was just a press conference that seemed to go by and large nowhere really but it stuck out in memory for sure there there was yeah. a camaraderie that seemed to be going there on was there. a com camaraderie then um their support shifted towards daniel smith maybe because she totally fit their narrative and you know you know i'm just looking at mr parker's comment here about the chat and says uh man i love the break gallon guy he has done more for the publicity of Take Back Alberta than even me. Thanks, buddy. Getting the word about our democratic apathy in this province is so important. But at this point, the way they operate, they're operating is even, is it democracy right now? Well, I mean, here's my question. If, 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 if Mr. Parker's telling the truth, then his yeah. implication is that he spent the last year and a half hosting town halls, driving all over the province, getting people whipped up into a democratic fervor. And this, this little podcast that could has managed to make a bigger dent in things than him. So, like, I don't know, maybe maybe that says something right there. Yeah. So, you know, uh, strongly recommendations, just like when you check your kids Halloween candy. Keep an eye out, guys. <laughs> it's we're at this point now where it's you know uh, the next few weeks will be fascinating. But uh, the way I see uh, you know what happened with Roger and uh, Livingston McLeod is pretty much the exact same scenario that happened with their year. And they changed the date until you could buy the membership, and you know the party called the date. And then they changed dates here and there. And then, voila. But this goes back to acclamation. Yeah, this goes back to a theme that we've hit on on the show many, many times before. And that is, you know, the, the, the pandemic polarized a lot of people. And there are some groups and there are some organizations who have done, to Mr. Parker's credit, in the worst way possible, uh, who have done an incredible job of capitalizing on all that anger and all that frustration and gotten people engaged in the democratic process. There's no oh, question about that. Two years of Facebook and a pandemic is a bad mix. For sure. But this is one of the reasons why it's so important that everybody 
gets involved in the democratic process because there are organizations like Take Back Alberta who are putting up candidates who have extremely problematic views. We, we ran through a bunch of uh, Miss Wellwood's Wood's views on a bunch of things, including Canadians becoming, I didn't mention this one earlier, but I'm going to mention it now. <clears throat> she did a whole thing on how Canadians were becoming second class citizens in their own country, which is. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm going to say it has some racist overtones if it's not just straight up racist. Well, you can't just be just a little bit racist, right? Just you can't just get <laughs> pregnant. You know, it's, it's not true. a thing. You're racist or you're not, right? It's, it's true. If, if you put like cumin in, in a recipe instead of cinnamon, the whole batch is ruined. Yeah. But, you know, and the federals want to increase their immigration target to half a million a year. Have their brains exploded yet? Like, are they planning to build a wall around the province? I don't know. Like, oh, don't give don't it, give them ideas. <laughs> it's insane because, you know, Roger Reed is now too progressive for the UCP. That's saying something. It's insane. I'm wondering, you know, I'm wondering who has a target on their backs right now. Well, I kind of have an idea, but it's a question we should ask, right? Who has a target on their backs? It's going to be fascinating. There's only 30 or 32 constituency nominations that have been concluded. There's a whole lot more left. Um, I'm wondering how many of those noms will be open. And Daniel Smith said that the nominations that were not fair and need to be reopened will be reopened. Can I tell you my favorite thing? about David yes. Parker and take back Alberta. Cause this week it was just, it was, it was like a little, a little early Christmas present on the Twitter machine. Uh, Mr. Parker also has a podcast called the Canadian story. And the, the cover for it is uh, two white guys. I mean, obvious jokes aside, I'm a white guy. So really I can't, I can't throw too many stones at, at that particular, but the co our, our cover isn't my picture, but David Parker's podcast has him and another white dude. And they just did a whole episode where they were talking about, you know, we're not getting value for our money in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And this is coming at the exact same time that Danielle Smith, and so many people in part inside of the, the Take Back Alberta movement who light their hair on fire at just the mention of the three little letters W-E-F are shutting down a program that saw Alberta working with Harvard and the Mayo Clinic to ensure that Albertans were getting better value and better outcomes out of healthcare for the only reason being... That it was being facilitated through the WEF. By the way, I've learned, I learned this this week, just as a, as a little anecdote. If you dare to mention the letters WEF on the TikTok machine, oh man, brace for the flying monkeys. They, they come so fast. I posted uh, the, the segment from the episode that we did on Sunday where we talked about that program that Daniel Smith is canceling despite the fact that it's evidence-based medicine and it involves some of the highest levels of healthcare in the world. Daniel Smith is going to shut that down for no reason other than it's got WEF involvement. And within, I think it was an hour, that video had already gotten more views 
than almost any other video that we we had had put up on like we don't take tiktok all that seriously we just post things every once in a while but it had more views already than any other video that that we had thrown up there which was which was obviously there's some algorithmic work at place so that's my favorite thing about about take back alberta and uh mr parker is they seem to be the we're going to cut off our nose to spite our face pack at every level which is really entertaining but also profoundly tragic for albert i'm um yeah uh, uh, being in my shoes is no fun these days it's extremely complicated I... it's it's, I it's it's painful um but you know uh, i think that <sighs> i really wish that the you know we could all work together that sounds like fairy tales and unicorn farts and all that but at some point we're going to have to pull ourselves our bootstraps and realize that change is happening and that it's not going to get comfortable and until as a whole, as a province, we realize that uh, there's going to be some very, very dark times coming in the future. You know, consequences, you know, acts, actions don't have consequences anymore. Anyone can, you know, you can make a public health decision based on what you, whimsy, what you heard on YouTube. Um, you know, I made a little bit of a, I sent on tweet last night and uh, certain doctors started sending me emails this morning. I was like, oh, that's fun. Um, but, you know, we need, if there's a point, and, you know, this summer, I know the campaign I ran, we were banging your drums, like, look, guys, we're not kidding. We need to save this. And, you know, if a lot of people were like, why did you get involved? It was exactly to try to avoid that. But we're at a point now where I'm worried where we're going to be at a point of no return. And that is extremely worrisome. Well, that's a happy note. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm just a sparkle <laughs> of joy today. But it's the reality. You are. Right? How much of this is the missing hamster? Oh. <sighs> Five percent. Okay, 5%, 5%. 5%. It's okay. as big as Let's... a golf ball. I'm I'm more worried about my shoes and my expensive stuff than the hamster. Because I'm just so mad. <laughs> but yeah. well, wayward golf balls can cause a lot of problems. Yeah, you know, I went from oh, let's book our trip to Mexico to oh my god, my hamster is missing. Yeah, it was great. Well, you know what? I bet if you I bet if you go to Mexico, that problem will solve itself. <laughs> moving on from there. Uh, One of the other big things that came out this week. Yes. It's fundraising week. <gasps> we got the numbers. Monies. So now here's the thing with these these fundraising numbers. And this is the the piece that I think is really important to clarify. When we're talking about the the quarterly and the the yearly fundraising numbers, there were changes made to how those funds had to be reported. And those changes were made by the UCP. Historically, uh, parties 
and constituency associations had to report the numbers quarterly. Now, the UCP felt it was too onerous for all of the constituency associations of all of the provincial parties to try to report their fundraising numbers on a quarterly basis. So they said, constituency associations, you know what? Once a year for you. And where this gets to be important is the NDP money all goes centrally. So when we're talking about total numbers raised, you can look at the NDP numbers and that's the total amount that the NDP raised. And to be clear, I'm not in any way diminishing what the NDP raised because they raised in the last quarter in three months, 1.4 million with an M dollars. And most of those were small donations. So that speaks a lot to the, the type of support that the NDP are getting. Now, the UCP as a party raised $974,000 and then some other numbers too. $975,000, we'll say. We'll, round, we'll give them the roundup. Um, but that doesn't, that figure doesn't include the money from uh, the leadership race. So when we have candidates like Danielle Smith, who said she raised well over a million dollars, Travis Taves, who said he raised well over a million dollars, um, these are, you know, when you start to factor that in, there were a lot of people who donated money to the the UCP cause. Yep. But where that gets interesting is there is a limit for how much you can donate to anything in a year. $4,300, my friend. So here's my question for you before we move on to some of the other parties. How much have the UCP shot themselves in the foot for Q4? Because it seems like between the leadership race and between the, the money that's been donated to them thus far, their, their bigger donors have probably maxed out that number. Yep. What's, Q4, what's Q4 going to look like for them, do you think? A little sad. <laughs> okay, that's, uh, but to we the point. Need, we need to remember, too, right? How many candidates was there in the leadership? Seven. Uh, seven, I think there was. Times 150. That's 1,050,000. Well, that's nothing to sneeze at either. Well, I, I'm sorry. And all due respect to the UCP, and you know, they try their best. We got the dollar store version of a leadership race. How did they spend? I'm sorry. I'm. I shouldn't be talking like that. I should be nicer. But seven people paid one million dollars to get in that race, and have they spent all the money? The twenty five thousand dollars good behavior bonds because it was a one seventy five thousand buy in, right? Yep. There's a twenty five thousand good girl behavior bond, like we were calling it, because you know our campaign team was girls. So, you know, if we would behave, we would be getting the money back. Um, but how much of that? Uh, don't tell. Uh, like, I, I, well, I we know questions. based on on the first debate, we know they didn't spend that money on Internet connectivity. No, it, it cut out a lot was the joke I was going for there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're tired and you've got a missing hamster. I'm going to tell myself no, somebody good. who listened got that joke. I got it. <laughs> I just saw that Marilyn North Pegan got pulled out. Got what, sorry? Um, so they, um, 
The NDP revoked Calgary Klein candidate after Twitter remarks targeting Calgary Stampede boards. Marilyn North Pegan will no longer be the party's candidate in Calgary Klein, currently held by UCP Emily Jeremy Nixon. Well, that's spicy. Mm-hmm. And that just happened? Mm-hmm. Thank goodness for midweek episodes is all I have to say about that. There's never a dull moment, maybe ledge. Where where is that on the the NDP's Twitter feed or No, that's on the Calgary Herald. Okay. Well, that's, uh... that's an interesting because we had a wonderful conversation with with somebody who ran in that uh that constituency for that nomination. So if they're going to be reopening that could get interesting. Yes. Um... Is all I'm saying. But I'm questioning if it's going to go to the second person who got the most votes or how are they going to do it? Or are they just going to be reopening the whole nomination? That'll be interesting to see for sure. I'm going to have to go dig in the bylaws. There we go. Well, that's why that's why we have smart bylaw people like you. <laughs> so let's move on from there because third place. Yes. We, we got to have a conversation about third place. Uh, because third place has been third place for a while now. They saw a bit of a drop in this quarter. Probably, I'm actually going to attribute that to the the UCP leadership race. Yeah. Um, and uh, they they went down, but they still raised the pro life party of Alberta. Oh, good. Raised fifty one thousand dollars. Yeah. We have a lot of people, uh, Jesus, guns, and babies are coming out of the woodwork right now. Um, you know, and sorry if I'm offending someone. It's just uh, spending a whole summer dealing with that crowd is just... Nobody, nobody should be offended by babies. No, babies are cute. Um, but 50... <laughs> Who in their right mind are like, oh yeah, that's gonna go somewhere. Let's go. Let's give them forty three hundred dollars. Were you just looking really for like a tax break? But there's other causes you could have donated to. I I don't understand. Like, well, uh, here's the thing that's really telling, because we we made a couple of mistakes when we first tweeted out the numbers. Yes, I'm, I'm going to blame our our fictional intern for that. Um, <laughs> George. But exactly, yeah, George, <laughs> freaking George. Let him near the keyboard once everything breaks loose. Um, but we we decided that we would go ahead and we would fix those errors that that George made. Uh, George has problems, um, and we included the the yearly totals as well. And this is where it gets really alarming because if you think fifty one thousand in Q three is bad to date this year, the pro life party have raised. $212,000. That is more than double the next per next party on the list. Mm -hmm. the That's, Alberta not great. That's not great, nope. is it? Nope. It's, it's worrisome. But, you know, uh, there was some arguments made with some journalists this week. It was like, well, the story more telling is when you look at the last election cycle back in 2018, no, no, my dude. $50,000 went to that party. 
And over $200,000 for the year so far. It's insane. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that bothers me about this. And here's why I think that this it's it's incumbent on us to spend a little bit of time talking about the third place contenders because and we I mean, talked about it Sunday too when I was worried about healthcare, right? Well, this is exactly it. The climate has changed. Roe yes. versus Wade in the states has been repealed. And we are seeing a lot of people in Alberta adopting the Republican grassroots uh, air quotes, approach to politics. I mean, we have the Alberta Tea Party, Take Back Alberta, that are yeah. are making big influence on what the governing party is doing and how they do business. So to to just say, ah, it's it's 2022, we don't have to worry about women's access to health care. Um, $212,000 says you kind of do. And, you know, I'm wondering, so I wouldn't have to go dig into the lobbyist registry. But I'm well, sure. Well, there's all kinds we, of treasures in there. <laughs> there's a lot of treasures in there. But, you know, I dealt with the abortion issue in the spring with the government under Kenny, with Minister Madhu, with, you know, everything that was pulling over and all that. I'm wondering how much influence they have in the premier's office right now. Or, you know, with the deputy premier. Because it took a whole lot to explain to Mr. Madhu that, uh, you know, a loss is a loss and government is not to judge what can loss is deemed to, you know, receive three days unpaid off. It's so just a lot for context of here. to get them there. Yeah. Uh, bill 17. There we go. So that's the bill that said a woman who uh, experiences the loss of a child while that a pregnant. pregnancy results does not result in a live birth. That's how the final wording was. See, there you go. That's much and, better than where I was trying to say. <laughs> and then we had to go into like a committee of the whole and got the minister record that it would include abortion. Then the sub amendment happened. And then anyways, there was a whole thing in the background. But um, it's quite fascinating to see what what's happening right now. And I think we're going to see, you know, there's kind of a, I hate saying that, but there's a radicalization. Like, conservatives are not conservatives anymore. Um, the new conservatives that we are seeing now are more populist than conservatives. And, you know, it, it, our rights are not God-given rights. God did not decide that the people in Canada would be free. We decided that we would be free. God has nothing to that. But it's that rhetoric and that kind of Christian anti-abortion faction and freedom anti-science faction is taking over right now. And it's extremely, extremely, extremely worrisome. Like Sunday night, when we talked about that, there was no um, status of a minister status of women. What does this mean? Who's going to go lobby for women health care? Who's going to well, go as, lobby as for the, As everything? the premier said, Sarah... If you have concerns about women's issues, all you have to do is take a look at the makeup of Canada. 
I can't even get through it. I... <laughs> There's five women counting the premier. That's it. In a cabinet of 27. There's five women. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's. But is it surprising? No. I mean, I, you know, I take a look at. I don't know. I feel like. I need to walk very carefully here. Um, but what I will say is, you know, it's it's not surprising given that the cabinet is such a profoundly politically calculated maneuver very clearly. And this is only made more clear by the fact that she's going to make the Sovereignty Act a whip vote for cabinet so they don't have a choice. And thus the Sovereignty Act will pass by the six leadership candidates, five of which uh, campaigned against the Sovereignty Act. Um, so, you know, there's, there's that piece, but at the same time, like uh, it is, I don't know, surprising, I, disheartening is the word that I'll use that we have the third, tell me if I'm getting that right. I feel like I am the third female premier and mm -hmm. she has grotesquely stacked the deck with non-female representation, I guess is the way to say it. Yeah. It's disheartening. It's not surprising. It's just disheartening. It's just, you know, um, there's so very few that are already willing. Well, if you look at it, there were four women part of that race. Four. Lila didn't get a seat. Then the other two got a seat. And then Daniel won. Yeah. But there's... wouldn't... There's questions. There's lots There's of questions. There's so many questions, Nate. But getting back to the the fundraising numbers, yes. Let's 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 give the the also showed up some some credit here. The Alberta party in the last quarter raised twenty five thousand dollars. That's yep. a drop for them. Yeah, it is. In the quarter previous, they uh, had raised more. Their yearly total is eighty five thousand dollars. Now. Barry Morishita was at a leader of the Alberta party was at a forum tonight. He was at a forum, I believe last night as well. He was education. He, his, by some reports, his polling for the area is actually not terrible. Um, some might say promising. Uh, and do you see like if, it, it by-elections are strange beasts. Typically when there's a by-election for a new leader of a party, especially when it's going to be the premier, it is a sweep. Um, now we know that Danielle Smith has had some problems finding the right constituency to door knock in. And we know that she's leveraging her title, um, mm -hmm. which probably will, will help increase her chances. But turnout on by-elections also tends to be limited to the hyper engaged because low, the stakes are relatively low it's not going to determine who's in government it's just going to determine whether or not this person the, the current premier is going to be sitting in the legislature right away um do you think that this is like how do you see this playing out for the alberta party is this if, if barry wins obviously that's a huge win for them if barry doesn't win is this is it just over is it is it done we need to move on and talk about other things cheese perhaps no i think it's a good so there's two ways you can see it. So maybe nobody should have run a candidate. Just let Smith in, give her enough rope so she can, you know, stumble 
and fall. Or B, the second scenario is it's all about name recognition, right? Because right now, um, you know, the Alberta party is getting a lot of media. And win or no win, Barry's getting his name out there right now. And that was important. Even if he was well-known in Brooks, well-known medicine had the province. He was the president of municipalities. He's extremely well-known, you know, in the organization. But people are now hearing his name. Well, the Alberta Party has certainly gotten more free media yeah. uh, out, of, out of this race than they have mm -hmm. in the last three and a half years. Exactly. So it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. It doesn't, you know, at the end of the day, is it going to go to Smith? Probably, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. But is it good for the Alberta party at the same time? Heck yeah. Well, assuming that there is an election in May, which is entirely up for debate at this point, um, you know, that's, it's a nice little runway for, for Mr. Morishita because if, the you know the the cynics are right and danielle smith says oh brooks it was nice but i really like livingston mcleod and nadine kept my seat warm so i'm gonna go over there um if that happens then that puts barry in a pretty not terrible position for mm -hmm. may of 2023 yeah um so it's gonna be interesting to see what happens there the liberals <sighs> are still a thing in alberta the alberta liberals um, oh, no, Gwyneth resigned two weeks ago. That made me sad. Boy, Gwyneth a... Midgley, she is a Oxford-educated woman. She's wonderful. She's, She's been Welsh with the liberals for, like, ever. Forever. And she has been caring and nursing that party and giving everything that she had and went through so many leadership. Um, and she left two weeks ago. Well, I can't help but wonder. Maybe it's because that the liberals tried to go through a leadership race and nobody showed up. I don't know why she left. I, I mean, they, I, they've only raised $54,000 for the whole year. So yeah. maybe they couldn't pay her anymore. I'm, yeah. I'm just uh, spitballing. But who knows? I can ask and get back to you. That would um, be lovely. But. You know, at the end of the day, when the heartbeat of your party leaves, send trombone. I think it's time to. It's it's not even on a uh, respirator anymore. It's just you know, uh, we're at church at mass and just waiting for the body to be buried at this point. Like the you know, uh, the liberals are done. They're just done, 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 done. Um, and then after that, you have the Greens, which are conservatives. No, with solar. no, no, no. You, you can't yes. jump to the Greens yet. Oh, don't don't forget the miss? Independence Party coming oh, in with the twelve thousand. No, this isn't even Whippa. Whippa's sad. Whippa what? is. You want to you want to do a sad trombone? We'll get to Whippa in a sec because their last quarter was sad trombone. I double checked it because I was like, is it really that bad? Um, no, the the Independence Party of Alberta raised twelve thousand dollars which brings them to a grand total of fourteen thousand dollars oof for the year pays for the website there you go and your fees or potential candidate fees or whatever you 
and a few Tim bits at Tim Hortons. After yes. the uh, the Independence Party, because I mean, really, I think we already have an Independence Party with Daniel Smith. Um, I said the quiet part out loud there. Uh, then we moved to the Greens, and the Greens in Q3 raised two thousand dollars, two thousand and seventy three dollars and eighty eight cents. Which brings yes. you to a grand total for the year of $9,392.09. $9. I always feel like we're going like prices right now with how precise we're getting. But, uh, you know, here's, here's the thing with, with, with the Greens. We had the leader of the, the Greens on. Yes. And they have, at the very least, it's a, it's a, it's a bold platform that they're bringing forward for the next provincial election. Because it's only got one major item which is the proportional representation piece. And even if you're like, you're looking at their fundraising numbers and even if you're, you know, not a fan of the greens, there were two things that came out of the conversation that I want to highlight. First of all, I think everybody should go and listen to it because Jordan has some really, um, he's clearly very passionate about democracy. His, his heart appears to me at least to be very much in the right place. He's trying to raise awareness. Um, and his arguments around proportional representation are really quite interesting because proportional representation is one of those things that it seems like people get excited about, even though it's like a really difficult abstract concept. Um, and then historically parties will go, oh, we're so going to do proportional representation. We're going to do electoral reform. And then they get into power and go, just kidding. Um, but I think Jordan's got some. I mean, obviously, the Green Party is not going to be forming government in the next provincial election. I feel like I, I'm not big on predictions, but I'm going to go out on a limb on that one. Um, but I think that they have some important points that are, that, are, that are worth looking at. Well, you know, the Green Party is like, oh, yeah, but maybe we could have a seat if you know, there's proportional representation. It's like hoping that, you know, you're going it's like hoping me that I would be winning like the the queen of the ball or the princess of the ball, whatever you call it. Uh, like it's we have bigger shoes right now. Could represent? I'm not a fan of. Uh, I'm getting I'm that not you're not you're not a lover of the proportional representation. I'm getting that not vibe. the city because uh, not in the current pollen climate. Because if you would look at the personal presentation, level, the PC would have seats. Oh, that's a sad point. Okay. Yeah. Do, do we want the PPC to have seats? Well, they kind no, of do now. Because oh. it looks like a PPC candidate is going to be the UCP candidate for Livingston McLeod. Uh, oh. So they're, they're getting their representation last on the list. Coming yes. in with a staggering $227.70. We have the Wild Rose Independence Party of Alberta. They have a yearly total of $22,106.70. Now, I feel like, looking at those numbers, I feel like there was some sort of, as, as we're talking about this, I think WIPA might have folded into the Independence Party. I could be wrong about that. If there's anybody who's listening who knows the things about, I, I honestly have not paid that much attention to WIPA. I'll own that. Um, the, the only time we paid attention to WIPA is when they, when they scored like 12% in uh, uh, Brian Jean's writing in Fort McMurray, like Labish. They came in third. 
they had like 12% or something. That's, That's true. The time I paid attention to them. Um, but, you know, I thought it would have picked up more momentum. But I guess you're right because now Daniel Smith's elected as the UCP leader. Every, everybody kind of pivoted back to the it UCP. Cer- it certainly seems that way. To see their candidate of choice win the election. Yes. I, I need to take a moment here. Um, and I need to give a special shout out to Andrew. Uh, <laughs> Andrew. I'm going to retweet that as soon as we're done because um, I haven't had hair that luxurious in <laughs> in years. So Me it's neither. clearly, you know, and I'd also just like to say, I, well, I'm looking at uh, this clearly can't be. Like George has got some tiny arms on him. He's not really good with the keyboard, is he? No, no. no George, George needs to maybe do a little bit more, maybe a little bit more lifted. But, yeah. uh, but that's... Uh, yeah. Oh, I wanted to talk about something, Nate. Oh well, then so you, you should. Know, do you know how Danielle Smith said that her cabinet's gonna have to vote in favor of the ASA? Yes. Remember that? Okay. So here's the thing. They're going to have a caucus meeting. Here's how everything is going to roll out. Um, so the way the UCP works is that the ASA is going to be presented in front of caucus. She has 38 votes on caucus. The bill is going to pass within caucus. Then the party will be whipped to vote in favor of the ASA. So the only way a candidate, uh, an MLA, can vote open brackets against the ASA within the UCP party is to not show up for a vote. Oh, cough, yep. cough, UCP cabinet. <clears throat> <laughs> somebody, somebody needs to put something in the in the in the dip. The spinach yet. In the- <laughs> I, I think COVID's gonna be I think there's gonna be a COVID outbreak that but no, so I wanted to bring some clarification on how it's going to work is that it's gonna go in front of caucus. Um from what I understand, they have not seen it, they have not seen anything yet. Um but it's gonna go in front of caucus, then the twenty-seven ministers and eleven secretaries will be voting in favor, so it's going to go, you know, they're going to have the majority because they have 60 MLAs. Then it's going to move over for a presentation, the Holman debate, and then they're going to have to vote. So there's that. They could vote against it, but the way party's structured, technically, if they want to be against it, they don't show up for a vote. Food Fair for enough. thoughts. Food for thought. I want to just go back. I just want to go back for a second. Yeah. To the the Maryland Pagan Maryland North Pagan thing because I'm just well while you were talking I was pulling up the Herald catching story up. There. Yeah. Yeah. So she this this all comes back to the the Dan McLean scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, apparently she retweeted a video clip of Ward 13 counselor Dan McLean with accompanying tweet alleging he was corrupt and that one of his family members was a corrupt board member on the Calgary Stampede. And that is what got her booted. Yeah. I need that's, to. Yeah. That's an yeah. interesting. Uh, I mean. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to get myself into trouble. Here's here's my two things on that. So yes. so first of all, I'm going to say um, I'm not sure. Pregnant pause. That pregnant uh, pause. That that tone policing an indigenous woman in the face of a video that, by many accounts, is incredibly racist, is maybe the best choice. That's what I. I just needed to say that because I wouldn't want to be the mm -hmm. like, I think that there's some latitude for, for some anger. I mean, I remember not long ago, there was a, a I think it was an MLA or an MP in Winnipeg uh, who yeah. dropped an F bomb. And I mean, in, in the legis, it was, I think it was the legislature. Um, if anybody has that, please kick it to me. Um, but he dropped an F bomb. And I, I mean, he got walked out, uh, he was named and walked out and all of that. But I mean, I feel like we just saw the mayor of Calgary say, it's not my place to intervene when it's, it's my place to call out racism, um, but it's not my place to dictate how things proceed from there. That has to come from uh, the indigenous community in regards to the the situation with with councillor mclean it's interesting to me is all i'm saying that the ndp decided that they were going to go down this road there's probably more to the story is how i'm going to build my safety net in because i don't need any more legal nonsense <laughs> yeah well you know i i was surprised when mary gondek said that um because you know she's the face of leadership in the city um, she could have, you know, maybe offered to help facilitate, do sensitive sensitivity training, or, you know, bring in motions or whatnot. Um, not just pass the buck, you know, to the indigenous communities. Um, that's my personal take on it. She should have shown a little bit more leadership on that side. Um, but as to why the reason, it's kind of the the the. the I think they might have dug a little deep on that one. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, Lord knows, I have my uh, my positions on the the current mayor of Calgary, um, but mm -hmm. uh, and I don't, I, I, I'm not going to begrudge her though for saying, you know what, in this situation, we need to take the lead from uh, Indigenous elders and leaders. I think that with most Indigenous issues. That's probably the right thing to do almost every time. And it's just a little interesting to me that uh, there's, there's no comments in the story from the Herald, which is granted only three hours old, uh, that say after consultation with Indigenous elders and leaders, the, the NDP decided this was the, the road to go. Is all I'm we're saying. We're probably going to know more tomorrow. Uh, you know, something's going to get spinned and we shall see what's going to happen. But am I a little surprised tonight? Yeah, I am. 
But yeah, it's interesting. It's very well. They did have they did have some. You know, I have to say, um, I did. Separate from everything, I really did appreciate the conversation that I got to have with Maddie uh, mm-hmm. coming out of that. And I thought that she had some really important perspectives that she shared. And so I don't think that uh, that constituency is is wanting for strong potential candidates, is how I'll say that. <sighs> you know, <laughs> I can never tell with those sighs. Am I like getting it right or wrong? Calgary is no, the battleground for a majority. Oh, no question. And you would think that any party would put every effort possible to get the best candidates possible to win the election. And there's been all. Are you trying to team me up right now? No, 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 no. Because you know, there's 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 some candidates that maybe have some some moral and ethical dubiosity. I I, I don't know maybe, what you mean. I'm, I'm French. Maybe, maybe they're maybe they're running in Calgary Northeast, and they tried to set up a Whippet constituency in order to split the right vote. I don't know. Maybe Oof, is all I'm who saying. Who knows? Oof. Who knows? It's impossible knows? to tell unless there's like text message receipts that were forwarded to the NDP. But moving on from there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sarah, we've hit the hour mark. I promised myself we were going to try to stick yes. to the hour area. Um, and it, the hope is that we've managed to cut an hour off of Sunday by doing this on Wednesday. But before I give it to you for your final comments, I do have to say to everybody, we're going to be delaying Sunday's show. We're going to be pushing it to Tuesday. And we're going to do our weekly roundup. And then we're going to do a big town hall sarah's going to be joining us again uh for a post uh by-election debrief collective panic attack whatever the case may be shocking Um, we're going to be doing that on tuesday so there won't be a show on sunday this week we're going to move it to tuesday but going forward after that there will be shows sundays and then every wednesday apparently i'm back that's what i heard I don't know. Am I back? I think you might be back. Maybe. You sound like you're back. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, the hamster situation needs to be resolved. <laughs> that stupid <laughs> hamster. And I'm really, really watching my, my words extremely carefully right now. But yeah, no, it's going to be fun. Final thoughts for the night before we shut it down, Sarah? Uh, not much. I'm, um, I know, apparently I'm on Jess Person tomorrow morning. You told me I should say that. Yeah, what are you and you're you're on Jesperson tomorrow morning <laughs> and what are you going to be to be speaking with I, I assume uh, it's just going to be a 15 minute plug for the breakdown, of course. Of course. But, <laughs> what are you what are you talking to Ryan about tomorrow? We're gonna be talking about Mila and the UCP leadership campaign. Spicy. Well, I don't know if it's gonna be spicy and pretty boring, but you know, it's my from what I saw on my side. It's not from Lila's view. It's not from anyone's. It's my my input on what happened with, you know, the board takeover and everything that happened between and the hacking and why Lila's not running, you know, um, and why Lila has not been doing any media for the past three weeks, month now. Um, you know, she's just back 
in that millennium that concert. But yeah, no, much. You know, I'm gonna try to go book my trip to Mexico now. If I don't find the hamster. I I swear to God, if Leonard, my dog, ate that hamster, I I don't know how I'm gonna Well, you'll know in about twenty four or thirty six hours. You'll find out pretty quick. Good God. Yeah, that's 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 and I have a cap too. Maybe Lord Fluffington put his paw on him first. Danger, danger. Uh, we updated next Tuesday. There we go. All right. Well, we're going to have good. a big extravaganza show on Tuesday, and we want to hear uh, we want to hear hear everybody's thoughts coming out of out of that. Like I said, it will either be a, a a catharsis of sorts, or it will just be a giant communal panel, panic attack. We're here for both. As always time to clear the room um if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at the breakdown we would love it nothing more if you thought about maybe signing up to be one of our patreon supporters at our patreon page at www.patreon.com it's because of the support of our patreon sponsors that we're able to keep producing the kind of content that we do including getting the toys to do the things like our sunday live streams and all of that kind of stuff uh, so for the price of just a fancy Starbucks a month, you can help us uh, keep keep doing that. And if the by-election in Brooks is any indication, we're going to be doing it more. So um, think about it. It's a good way to spend five bucks. It gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Much like having just eaten, perhaps, if you're a, a small dachshund and you just ate a hamster. No, um, I'm talking about my, my Dalmatian. Oh, the Dalmatian might have eaten the hamster. Yeah, Leonard. <laughs> there you go. Well, Walters, that Walters, yeah, he's the he's the angry dachshund. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like his mom, just angry all the time. Cool. And I might have a you know some announcements or where I'm gonna end up next week. But don't fun, worry, fun. it's not in the premier's office. I think that's a fairly safe bet, especially after after the last two shows. Uh, thank no, you, everybody, yeah. for <laughs> Have a good tuning night. in and listening. Um, like we said earlier in the show, one of the most important things that can happen in a democracy is people get engaged. So now is a great time as we run up to maybe an election in May of 2023 or perhaps May of 2024. We don't know yet. Uh, now is a great time to get involved. So get involved. Hold some people to account and uh, keep the conversation going. <laughs>